This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. This is Wednesday, March 3rd. My name's J.P. Shadrick, along with senior writer John Osher for Jaguars.com, NFL media analyst Bucky Brooks joining us as well. And we have plenty to get to, as we always do on Wednesdays, including a Trevor Lawrence shoulder update. The 2020 Comeback Player of the Year is about to get whacked by his team. What does that mean for the future? And J.J. Watt got a big bag of money to go to the desert. And Bucky Brooks Prospect Position Group Top 5 Rankings. This week, we'll get into cornerbacks. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's on Apple iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you can get podcasts. I know there's a lot of places to get podcasts. Those are the two that I'm familiar with. Give us five stars and plenty of comments. Bucky, I know where you can, you know exactly where to get all these podcasts, right? <laughs> I mean, there's so many different ones, Stitcher and all this other stuff. I, t- I tend to just go to Apple, Apple, Apple Podcasts. I kind of get it right on the phone. I can get it right there. Yeah, it's just right. pretty easy. It's, it's John, I try, try and keep it easy. Yeah. John likes likes easy. John, you're into that. I like easy. I, I, I could not tell. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I could not tell you how to go find a podcast ours i can oh. because we subscribed but i don't have on my phone i don't have it set up for uh, for subscriptions oh or my god and I, I i uh i can go to my shelf and find a book how about that you guys know what a book is you grab it off the shelf you open oh it pages in it oh my get god. off my lawn bucky <laughs> how about that? the guy who wants to throw it all over the yard is stuck back yeah, in lombardi right. days when right. it comes to podcasts he's just three yards like in a cloud of dust when it comes to reading and podcasts hey, he's the I'm woody hayes back in the day he threw it all over the yard uh, i bet he read a book Oh, oh my goodness. gosh. All right. So we've got plenty to get to today. We'll get to all that as we mentioned coming up. But, uh, you know, John, you're on Twitter. The kids are on Twitter as well. So you know a little bit about social media. But I found something interesting. I think it was on Tuesday. Maurice Jones Drew posted the Max Preps mm. 20 for 20, the top 20 running backs over the last 20 years in high school. And a few Jaguars connections really kind of caught my eye. I know it's high school, and a lot of guys that yeah. are in the NFL are really good in high school, Bucky. You know that. But a handful of these guys had connections here. Derrick Henry, he's from right up the road here in Yulee, was number one on the list, the all-time leading rusher in high school from Yulee High School. And we're connected to him because of plenty of stiff arms in the past. Uh, Leonard Fournette <laughs> was number four on the list all-time of the last 20 years, top 20 running backs in high school. Kelvin Taylor, Fred's son. Yeah, was seven on the list out of Glades Day down south. Maurice Jones Drew, we all know and love Mojo. He was 13th on the list out of De La Salle High School in California. And yes, current Jaguars running back James Robinson made the list at number 20 out of Lutheran High School in Illinois. And I found that pretty interesting, Bucky, that he's one of the top 20 running backs in high school the last 20 years. How about that? I mean, that's a testament to him. Um, that he's such an accomplished high school player, you wonder why didn't he land at maybe a bigger spot? What was the deal behind it? But JP, I've had this conversation with scouts and general managers and personnel directors before about scouring the high school recruiting lists and checking the four and five stars and just trying to see where those guys have gone. Because 
I will say this. Most recruiting analysts, they don't get it wrong when it comes to those guys. Like those guys that were viewed as four and five stars, particularly five stars in high school, they had a level of talent that you should investigate. And there are some teams that will consult those lists and they will kind of take a flyer on some of those guys that somehow find their way off the list for whatever reason, something happens in college. And they may bring those guys in as undrafted free agents. I'm not saying that that happened in Robinson's case, but I think it's very interesting that he is recognized as one of the top 20 running backs all time on max prep. And lo and behold, he plays like that when he comes to Jacksonville. I know, right? Even uh, some years removed from that, John, it doesn't really, uh, for a lot of guys, doesn't go away, especially for a guy like James Robinson. Which shows you, too, uh, the difference in, in, in uh, longevity at this position in quarterback. Over the last 20 years, Brady was just getting in the league 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, so is Drew Brees. You know, I mean, it, it, it just, again, that position is, is, is so cruel to the player in terms of, you are in and out of the league fast. Mojo seems like he played in the league forever ago, mm-hmm. and he's still on this uh, 20 uh, years list. So it is a tough position to have any sort of longevity, and they drop off fast. I actually covered Mike Hart for a cup of coffee with the Colts. He was a great running back. He's number eight on this list. Yeah, He was a great running back for Michigan and got a ton of carries. Uh, Shady McCoy's on this list. It also shows you at, at, at this position – you would think running back recruiting would translate pretty closely to the NFL because it's such a seeable skill, meaning make guys miss, run for a lot of yards, but it doesn't necessarily. I mean, there are some names on this list who a lot of people would have really never heard of, particularly based on their NFL uh, career. So it just shows you it, it being a five-star, being a big-time recruit, a lot can change in four or five years. Perfect example of that is Jonathan Gray. He was third on the list out of Alito High School in Texas, went to the University of Texas, but then he didn't really do much after that, Bucky. No, it's it's funny how that goes. And sometimes we don't know if injuries or whatever played a role in uh, prospects, failure, inability to kind of make it and carve out a big career at the NFL level. But I, I do believe it's a nice jumping point, jump off point in terms of being able to track these guys. You know, we all are still kind of close and fond to the college game. I love when these lists come out. And I love seeing, I mean, JP, it's, it's unfair for you because, like, Alabama gobbles up all the five stars. I mean, the entire roster is all five stars. But, like, for little old me in North Carolina, when we get a five-star, we, we celebrate those guys. We go crazy about them. So I love looking at these lists, man. I, th- I think it's fun. I think it's all fun and fascinating. And I think as we track them from high school, as they continue to go on into college and then talk about them in the pros, it's a fun watch. The last two five stars at North Carolina, Bucky Brooks and Lawrence Taylor, you know, right? Like, no, like, like Lawrence Taylor would have been, but I, I'm so old that they didn't even have a star system. I was just lucky. I was just trying to be in the regional paper, like just, just in the local paper, just want to be one out of 25 in the regional list. Um, the star system came later. I, I, I think it's great though. Like I know people get mad. It's always a point of contention uh, right around the draft. When we talk about the number of five stars that are drafted and people get mad, like, Oh, these lists don't matter. They do. Like, it's fun. You have to rank, rank things. I mean, if we did list in terms of fruit, like who's the five-star fruit, what are the five-star fruits and veggies? Like people would be mad at what we gave five stars to. I mean, it's, that's just what it is. Like, that's what's fun. It's fun for fodder. What else are we do in the off season? What we have to do, and, and the internet, John, has changed the whole thing in, in recruiting and, and analysis of these players. It didn't exist 25 years ago before this list started. Oh, it's unreal. Buck, when were you a senior in high school? Were you 90? 89. 
89. 89. Okay, so I missed you by a little bit, but th that's the way I sort of cut my teeth. I got the Florida beat because I had done recruiting as, as a high school sports writer. And it's, uh, you know, I could do a complete show on how much covering recruiting and the, and the recruiting process has changed so much. I covered it 93 through about 90, or I'm sorry, 90 through about 94-ish. There were no five stars. I was one of those guys, Bucky, I'd be calling the prospect at home on Sunday night after I got back. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that would, but now all that's on Twitter. All that, yeah. you know. I used to break stories all the time by getting a hold of the kid. I called work done the night he uh, committed to Florida State. And Jonathan Ogden, the same deal. I was calling guys in California because Florida was in on him. But it it has changed dramatically from back then. Buck, even you would have been on Twitter yeah. tweeting out your own commitment. Yeah, like I, I, missed, I, I missed out on the, the, the switching hats. And, and now they have these customized videos and all that other stuff. Yeah, how much fun would that have been? It dri yeah. I would have driven people crazy. Well, fun for you, terrible for me as a beat. I would have driven you crazy. It would have been so much yeah. fun. Like, right. who, man, customized. I, I may have had JP, like, narrate over the top. Like, he follows me going from a high school and driving all around the town before we end up, we end up in Chapel Hill. How much fun my would that have been? recruiting story that. to really date myself, Javon Kearse, who everybody knows. Oh, well into yeah, good play. Big-time career. He was from – Gosh, I want to say Fort Myers, and I think I'm getting the, I'm getting the town wrong. He was from South Florida, and I can recall calling his high school coach, and this was when the coach, back when I covered it, the coach was the main point Everything. of high school recruiting. Yeah, You really didn't talk to players that much. You talked to him some. And Javon Kearse's coach telling me, well, I don't have his home number, but here's his beeper number. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> That's I right. I called his beeper number. That's and right. uh, Javon was from a tough area, and he, he called me back. I think he called – some recruit, I forget which one it was, called me back collect from a pay phone yeah. at, my, at my work desk. But, yeah, I covered Javon Kears when he had a beeper. These, uh, some of these guys had beepers. This was way before cell phones. Yeah. But it was uh, – You had to put a code great, in. Great recruiting – commitment stories among sports writers i can tell you that I, I would hate i would shudder to see john osher's long distance calling bill either at&t mci whatever company he <laughs> used back in it the was, old days that was, admittedly that was when you still had long distance right and it was a yeah it was a that's why been sunday nights from about 6 30 to about <laughs> 9 30 calling these recruits when they got home and it it was a different uh, chase goodbread who's yeah yeah colleague of yeah. yours buck uh, succeeded me on the recruiting beat at the Times Union. And uh, it used to be a big, big deal for newspapers in the South to cover uh, to cover recruiting. But we digress. Nights and weekends are cheaper. That's okay on your long distance <laughs> plan. Uh, this is the Huddle Up podcast and a nice little conversation there about the uh, Max Preps 20 for 20 top 20 running backs over the last 20 years in high school. Maurice Jones-Drew put a link to it on his social media page. And, and number five, by the way, Reggie Bush. Go watch his high school tape. Oh, it will blow man. your Unbelievable. mind. And another tape that will blow your mind is quarterback Trevor Lawrence. You might have heard of him. He was indeed a five-star out of Cartersville, Georgia. Went to Clemson, won a national title. He's coming out in the NFL draft this year. And on Instagram yesterday, three photos of some of his rehab work on the surgically repaired left shoulder labrum. 
working with a, ther- a physical therapist, Modus Physical Therapy. There's a couple locations out near you, Bucky, apparently in California. Mm-hmm. A bunch of NFL guys go there. There's a picture of him pulling down some weight. I'm not sure what that motion is called. I'm not in the weight room often. There's another with Trevor standing there, the therapist holding his left arm. Another with him laying down on the table, working on the left shoulder. So this guy has experience with NFL players. Trevor's right there, and it's the most watched left shoulder, non-throwing shoulder we've seen around here, I think, ever. Yeah, we just need to get we just need to get him right. We want to make sure that he's fine. I just want to make sure he can put on his 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 suit jacket so he can walk across the stage when they give him the Jaguars hat, and we can just kind of start it. Like that's that's what I'm worried about at this point. I just want to make sure he can put his suit on and do all the stuff and get the obligatory hat. And so we can start we can start the new era. And so, look, this this is part of the process. Him coming back is, is smart for him to get the surgery done early. I know it's important for him to get on the field prior to the training camp. He will be behind from a physical standpoint, but mentally I think he'll be on it. He'll be sharp, and they'll have it lined up and ready to go. So it's part of the process, but it's good that he's moving and kind of making progress in his rehab. John, what was that called in the weight room, the, the, uh, the workout he was doing? Well – in my extensive body of work in the weight room, I can tell you that was, I, I have no idea. The epic here would have been had without any comment, if the photos had shown the trainers just for a gas working on the other arm and just sent it out without comment to see if anybody noticed. Can you imagine the explosion on the internet? Oh man, it would, that would have been a bad one. Yeah, that, that would, would have been, been a bad one. It's not April first, so, thank goodness. It's March. Yeah, that 1st, would have yes, been two something. days ago. That would have been something. So that I continues. Have, I have no idea. I'll occasionally do a push up every now and then, Bucky. You ever wow. do a push up? Oh, I mean, push ups are good. Okay, all right. Let's see what see what we got. Oh, Bucky um, hasn't seen it yet. You haven't seen no, it. No, you're looking oh. at it live right now on this podcast. Okay, so Trevor was doing some some tricep, uh, tricep push downs. Make sure we get get the arms right. Let's see, it looks like they're trying to do some active curls, see where the strength is. Now he's laying on the shoulder. Looks like rehab is just kind of touching and testing, trying to put him back, back in alignment. Yeah, it looks like, looks like we're on our way. We're on our way. Number 16, we're good. That's Checking the reason all the boxes. I didn't do those exercises, JP. I don't have triceps. So <laughs> they told me not to worry That's about it. A- well, okay. Well, one we don't have to worry about no those tendons or muscles in your arms. So you. don't worry about. It. Good to know. Uh, that's John Osher, Bucky Brooks. I'm JP Shadrick, and this is the Huddle Up Podcast on a Wednesday. And welcome to a new era of Jaguars football. The reload has begun beginning with new head coach Urban Meyer. And don't miss out on the best seats before they're gone. Lock in your tickets now for the 2021 season. Place a deposit at jaguars.com and subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us five stars and plenty of comments. Free agency news is starting to pick up a bit here, guys. And word on Tuesday now that free agents... Uh, currently may travel to a new team for a visit and or a physical. That's new. Last year, obviously, with COVID-19, they weren't able to do that. They must pass a rapid PCR test before entering any club facility. So that's a good step, at least if you want to you know, get in touch or with a, a current free agent or somebody after free agency starts that's on the market. Now, a few guys that might be on the market, could be on their way to the market, but let's start with a quarterback and, and the Washington football team, the comeback player of the year of the NFL, 
Alex Smith is reportedly getting whacked at some point. Does the question will be, and, and Jags fans are all about backup quarterback this week on, on social media, of course. So does he want to play or is he willing to be a backup? Is he going to compete? He has the connection with Urban. He's a great salty vet, Bucky. What do you think? Man, this is a perfect fit. This is exactly what the Jaguars needed to happen. Alex Smith is the perfect backup quarterback for this situation. Knows Urban Meyer, understands the culture that Urban wants to create in the locker room, has a relationship with Trent Baalke. They were together in San Francisco. So the GM knows that he can trust Alex to be prepared and ready. And then when you have what Alex has gone through, former number one overall pick, had a very rocky road early in his career before becoming a Pro Bowl caliber player. He has mastered the art of winning. When you look at his record the last five, six, seven years as a starter, he gets it. And so to have a guy like that who has also mentored the likes of Colin Kaepernick, Patrick Mahomes, what he did with the young guys with the Washington football team, to have him as kind of like that, that, that elder statesman in the quarterback room with Trevor and whoever else would be in that room, I think is a no-brainer. Now, we have to investigate and see if he wants to be a starter or if he still just wants to be around and involved in the game. But if he is willing to come in just that mentor role, I think this would be perfect. This would be a slam dunk for the Jacks. Yeah, and, and that's the question that you can't answer. Only he can answer that. You know, it's been a topic, so I've discussed it a couple of times. But like I said on another show, the thing you have to worry too, I don't think anybody is going to tell Alex Smith hey, we want you to come and be our franchise quarterback. It's not that that's going to happen, but there are certainly situations out there where logically, if you're him, you're 36, 37, if you think you've got a couple more years in you, there are other teams that it's a better possibility that that team might pull their quarterback in event of there not being an injury than the Jaguars. It, it's going to take a lot for whoever they pick. It's going to be Trevor, but for whoever they pick, it's going to take a lot for them to bench a number one overall quarterback at any point. But would he want a situation where there's another quarterback who's on a little bit shakier ground, a veteran who struggled before? There's probably four or five teams out there that it'd be more logical. Well, if this guy struggles, then this other guy's going to get a shot. So uh, I don't think he's going to be a franchise guy anywhere, but would he be tempted by someplace with a dicier situation? Only he can answer that. I mean, I, I wonder at this stage of his career, because I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, I watched him come back, and I was gr- it, was, it was great to see him come back from that devastating injury to get back on the field. But I held my breath every time he was on the field, right? Like, I held my breath in terms of watching him as a starter and the fact that he couldn't finish um, the playoff run. I just wonder if he can envision himself playing, they're talking about maybe 16, 17 games, or if he just still loves the game and wants to be around it. And maybe he wants to give back. And because of his comments in GQ, when he talked about the relationship with the team and not feeling like he was wanted, well, you know, Urban is going to love him up because mm-hmm. Urban went and saw him in Washington while he was hurt in those things. And so we know Urban can recruit. If Urban can recruit him and just say, hey, here's a situation right off in the sunset, leave the game a better place, do these things, show these guys how to win and all those things, would that be appealing? And I wonder if it would be appealing to his his family, because I know his family had to sit there also watching the game through closed fingers, making sure that he was going to be okay. I think this would be a really good fit for him. I, I know Chicago is in play because of the Matt Nagy situation, but I mean, how much is Chicago I mean, really going to win? Like he can have an opportunity to be here two, three years and see Trevor 
and maybe step in at some spots if there was an injury or any situation like that we had to step in and play if that would happen i mean how much more can things line up for this franchise right now if that would happen i mean to have the number one pick to get urban to get everything that's sort of fallen right yeah also get the backup which as you said Mm -hmm. meyer and balky met through Mm -hmm. alex smith i mean it, it 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 almost seems like it's such a logical thing that it won't happen. But ah, uh, come on, Ed. like, 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 like here, here's what's happening. Like, we got to take all the losing, whatever happened the last decade. Like, we put all that out. Like, we left all that behind. We left all that in, in 2020. Up here last summer, like, what? what hey, I, I showed up during the, the one in 15. The yeah. one in 15. I, I feel like I gained like five years on my life. Like, oh, got a really old then. Get ready. Welcome to life, Buck. How about that? <laughs> so, but now it's lining up. The football guys are shining on us. Like this is a perfect, it's a perfect time. Like, man, we can go from worst to first. This is what it's like. Ah, naive <laughs> little Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can do it. Like. No, I do believe, like you're right, though. It, it does appear like things are lining up. That would be a, a nice thing for the lineup. I, I do wonder, and we'll see, because this has been floated out, what is the future for Garner Minshew in terms of not only with this franchise, but is he a trade chip? Because there's some people out there that really like him and kind of view him as a player that has potential. They look at the numbers, and they're like, hey, man, this guy could be a, a bottom-of-the-league bottom starter. You know, a bottom third starter. He's had some success in the league and those things. I do wonder if he is a trade chip as we get closer to the draft in terms of trying to upgrade the rest of the team and maybe even the quarterback position. He is putting out some workout videos of his own on Instagram videos these days as well. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, can't believe it. And Bucky Brooks is along with us. <laughs> As well. One other uh, free agency note and a big one. J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. Two years, 31 million bucks, 23 million guaranteed. DeAndre Hopkins is out there. And, and Bucky, he's got uh, one of the coaches from his past out there too, right? Yeah, Vance Joseph, the defensive yeah. coordinator, um, was a DB coach with the Texans when J.J. Watt won the def- his first defensive player of the year award. So there's some familiarity between those two. Also, he understands how to put him in a scheme. That works. I think the thing that is surprising is the number that you talked about, the money, uh, $31 million. He's 31, 32 years old. You wonder how much does he have left, even though he had a, a solid season, didn't put up the sack production that he wanted, but he played over 1,100 snaps, um, did a really good job creating pressures and those things. Now he is out West. And I think when you look at it from the Jaguar standpoint, you just see how these teams are building it is now apparent more than ever. You have to have multiple pass rushers. You have to have an inside guy, an outside guy, maybe two outside guys, but you have to be able to get after the passer. And as we think about the Jaguars in the draft, the pass rush um, is something where you, you feel like you feel good about with Josh Allen, maybe Caleb on chase, maybe you're going to get another guy. But if we're unable to stop the run, we don't get the opportunity to rush the passer. And so I just see when you, you see how teams are loading up, the defensive line has to be a major priority when it comes to free agency and the draft. Got to upgrade it. Yeah, the only thing I wonder about uh, JJ is, you know, in I think it's three of the four years before this past season, major injuries that took him down for an extended period of time. So you're guaranteeing 23 million. It's obviously not my money. I don't care what the Cardinals do with theirs, but that would have been my concern. <laughs> is you know, 
you're giving this contract to somebody who's had trouble staying healthy. That would have been my cause for pause if I was in that situation. If the Jaguars were going after it, that would have been my concern. But obviously, you're right, Buddy. They know how to use them. You have to have multiple pass rushers. At some point, you do wonder in free agency if the Jaguars will look to add a veteran presence on the edge in addition to the two kids they've got mm-hmm. to give themselves some security. Uh, I think that'll be interesting in two weeks. The uh, Huddle Up podcast rolls along. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Ozer. Social media questions coming up. We put the bat signal out early Tuesday, and we've come up with a pretty good list. We'll get to those in just a moment. Let's move along, though, to Bucky's top five draft prospects by position. Each week on the Huddle Up podcast, we recycle his story from NFL.com, <laughs> and we go through one position group. And, John, this week we are going cornerbacks. We know the Jaguars have C.J. Henderson. Trey Herndon's still around. D.J. Hayden's scheduled to be a free agent. There's a lot of other guys that had some time that are young. That there's, It seems like there's going to be a lot of change at the cornerback position, John, considering what happened last year with all these different lineups in the secondary. Well, I'll defer to Bucky because he, again, knows far more about the, far more about the overall league and these prospects. I look at it and think you really don't know what C.J. Henderson is yet either. That's a big question hanging out there. Potential to be great. I mean, top 10 pick, I keep saying, you better be great. I mean, that's that's almost the equivalent of drafting a quarterback number one. When you draft a cornerback in the top 10, you expect lockdown. uh, Patrick Peterson, that's only four spots later than Jalen Ramsey, who you consider the best cornerback in the NFL right now. So – that needs to be a greatness spot. You know, that hasn't been proven after the rookie year. It's not surprising. It hardly ever does. I look at this and wonder, will they get to the point in the draft of needing to draft a guy, or do they go after big-time corner in free agency if, if somebody comes free? I think you need experience back there. You need a, a, a stud corner on the other side to complement Henderson. I almost think you could see draft and free agent at this position mm. because I, I think they need to upgrade it pretty significantly. Double down, Bucky. I think I, I, I believe they have to invest another high pick in the position. I think when you, you look at C.J. Henderson and you think about this team being young and growing together, because I anticipate this team being a quarters team where they play a lot of man coverage on the outside, you need young, fresh legs um, to be able to get that done. And when I look at this draft class and I think of all the guys that are available, a lot of legacy in terms of, Sons of former players, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, who is the son of Joe Horn, Asante Samuel Jr., like his namesake, Elijah Molden, who's the son of Alex Molden. There are a lot of young, dynamic players who understand it because it's in the bloodline. So you like to think they understand the family business. As I think about what Jacksonville wants to do, you would like to acquire some of those guys who kind of understand it and they can hit the ground running from day one. If you can put a young tandem out there, Man, I don't think you can get better than that for the Jets. To your point, Bucky, that feels to me more okay at the corner position than maybe another position, meaning having two young kids out there, a little easier to learn and play at a high level at that spot than others. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it can be. And I think also given the, the collegiate nature of maybe this coaching staff and what Urban and his staff are, are used to doing when it comes to developing players it may be easy to have young guys out there teaching them the ropes and doing those things now there'll be some struggles and it may be ugly at times like we saw a little bit this year with cj henderson but if they can grow together man you just talk about having young guys that 
can, you know, as they continue to build this nucleus out two, three years, how good can they be? And the, the spot I'm looking at is at 25, 25, 33, a corner at one of those positions to me seems like a sensible choice. Someone that you can pair with CJ Henderson to let those two guys compete and grow together on the perimeter. You can get yes. starting level guy there at a 25, 33, yeah. a corner. You can, I mean, if you were telling me that you're going to get a pass rusher there or, or a left tackle or a quarterback, I'd be a little more skeptical, but a corner, especially if it's your two corner, if you're assuming that CJ's one top 10 at one spot, top 25 at the other, that's still a lot of equity at the corner position. Yeah, and I, I think it's important. Uh, w- when we think about building out this defense, and we can we can look at what all the equity that was poured into it prior, but it, it kind of starts over with Balky and Urban starting now. The way that you build your, your defense, it has to be pass rushers, cornerbacks, second-level defenders, and you need someone in the middle of the field, a safety, that can be able to do it. I look at the second-level defenders. They appear to be in good shape with Joe Sherbert and Miles Jack. The pass rushers are still a work in progress. We feel good about Josh Allen. We're hoping that Caleb Von Chasen can be a guy that can emerge. C.J. Henderson is still kind of an unknown commodity, but say you get two young, another young corner to go there and C.J. Henderson plays up to draft expectations. Well, now you have a young nucleus that you can build around. And as you're adding weapons to the offense and hopefully you're able to score points, it is all about being able to slow these offenses down because we understand what Tennessee is. They want to play physical. They want to do those things. Ryan Tannehill is good. A.J. Brown's on the perimeter. The Colts look like they are building um, a bully there in terms of their ability to run the ball, play good defense. And so you're going to have to be able to win the arms race defensively, being able to keep the score down. And in an offense, they have enough weapons where you can score points with a young quarterback who's still trying to make his way in the league. All right, let's uh, hit officially the top five corners for Bucky Brooks in the draft this year. Patrick Sertan, Alabama. Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. J.C. Horn of South Carolina. Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. And Elijah Molden from Washington. Check out the full article on NFL.com. We'll recycle it again with another group next week. Yes, we will. Uh, and, and by the way, I think Sunday your dog's a Sertan fan. I could tell by the bark in the background. Yeah, yeah. It, she, that was she, almost she a was, roll tide bark. Ooh, roll tide? You yeah. think? Not a, not a go heels bark? Like, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't a UNC player on the list. I don't know. No, no, maybe. I think, I think she is a Sertan fan because I am a big Patrick Sertan II fan, much like his dad. He he plays the game the right way. Like, he he gets it. And he gets it in a in a major way. And I think What's funny is because there's going to be some debate between Farley and Sertan. Part of that is due to Sertan playing this year and people being able to see some of the plays, like maybe he gave up a handful of plays and Farley kind of being out of sight, out of mind. But in my estimation, Pat Sertan II is the deal. He is legit. I have a question for the scout. I'm intrigued by this. Why so many second-generation guys on that list? And maybe it's a fluke, but four out of five doesn't feel like a fluke to me. Mm. Is that a case of, of, of the dads working with these kids when they're young and they mm-hmm. just know how to play this? Because it, it's a technique position. Yeah. You have to have the athleticism, but you also have to know how to play it. Is that a case of these guys just from the time they were eight years old? The family business. Being taught the right way? Yeah, I think it's the family business. There, there, there are a couple of things that are at play when you see those guys at corner. Their dads very early identified the fact that Everybody, when you go to these things, John, if we channel back to your recruiting days, you see right now the fascination is on touching the ball. 
So normally the top one, two, and three athletes at the high school, they go and play offense. And so athlete four, five, and six, they're the ones that are kind of left to play defense. These guys understand that a skilled player on the perimeter on defense, they have a chance to be top picks, make a lot of money, and do those things. And so I firmly believe, particularly with Joe Horn being a wide receiver, even though he played a little defense back when I was we were together Cell in phone Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> I was at that I do, game. Yeah, I, I do believe that they understand the value of corners, and because their kids are well-schooled in it, that's why they have a chance to go at the top of the board. So you're saying when the coach tried to move these kids to wide receiver – the dad said, okay, they can play some wide out, but they're ready to be playing the money. Corners. Yeah, the money's, the money's to be made at, at cornerback because it's so hard to find premier athletes and guys yeah. that understand the position. What they do in college, they take these high school wide receivers and they get them on campus, they give them the jersey, and then the second year they flip them over. We saw that with uh, oh, Alabama's Trayvon Diggs who came in as a wide receiver and then they move to defensive back. Well, that's commonplace in college where these guys came in as DBs. They've been playing DBs since they were – high school, they understood the position and because their dads were also pretty good at what they did, they get it. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. That's Bucky Brooks, John Osher. I'm JP Shadrick. And as we promised, social media questions. Thank you for all the submissions on Tuesday. We're going to pick a few of the best. We'll leave the others out to dry (laughs) until next week. But try again, please. We're here every Wednesday. We'll ask for the questions each Tuesday. Uh, This is uh, from at DM Ozone. And I don't know if this is John's burner account or what, but what style of offense will the Jags run this year? And should we expect a running quarterback? What do you think? Ooh, well, Trevor Lawrence can run. I don't think they want to put him in harm's way too much. I think they'll use his athleticism. So I would think this offense is going to be a blend. It's, it's going to be a little bit of the things that we've seen in college, because that's what Trevor Lawrence is very comfortable at. But I do think you'll see a little bit of an old school element to it. Some under center runs, some shotgun running game. I think you see James Robinson, and I would expect another running back to come over. And I think they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball a ton. Um, I think the X factor in the offense, the guy that I'm looking forward to seeing in year two, LaVisca Chenault. And the reason why LaVisca Chenault, to me, has maybe the biggest potential to be an impact player for this offense, everywhere Urban Meyer has been, you hear him talk about the H-back player. And the H player is typically the best athlete, the most explosive playmaker. And Florida, at Florida, that was Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin, absolutely. At Ohio State, it was Paris, Paris Campbell, and it was mm-hmm. also Curtis Samuel. I think Urban envisions LaVisca Chenault being that guy. We saw him in the backfield a little bit last year. I would anticipate him having a bigger offensive role as a guy who gets touches and does it in a bunch of different ways. And – I think he can pop. So I'm excited to see the offense when it comes to what they do with LaVisca Chanel. John, there was some of that with him early in the season, but it just didn't last as the season went on. Yeah, there was. I mean, I guess when I think of Percy Harvin, I think of just otherworldly speed. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't strike me as LaVisca. Uh, so is that different? Can that be it? And it's different. Be a big time player, but he's not burner guy, is he? No, he's not burner guy. But when you go back and look at, so what hurt him, his last year at Colorado, he was injured, so we didn't see the best of him. The year before, he did everything. Wildcat quarterback, he can run it. He is a physical runner inside. That might be the best utilization because he was more impressive and dynamic with just the ball in his hands as a runner and doing some of those things 
than catching the ball in space. Maybe because of Urban's collegiate background, he will demand, hey, we need to find a way to get him the ball. And, and maybe they utilize all of his traits, maybe better than they were utilized the rookie season, even though injuries also hindered his ability to be a major contributor. I'll say this too. The first time I was on the practice field last year, it was COVID, so we were kind of distanced, but he kind of walked by us to do something. Yeah. And uh, he's built different now. He is thick, and he is a tough guy to bring down, and that, that can play to his advantage as well, if he, if he plays up to that. Yeah, he, he plays up to that. You go back and you, you pop in uh, his Colorado tape from his sophomore season. He is doing all of that stuff yeah. uh, with the ball in his hands. And I, I just have to have a, a, a sense or belief that Urban will assess what he has offensively, and they'll make it very simple. I want this guy to get the ball X amount of times. I want this other guy to get the ball X amount of times. And that's what it is because that's what college and really that's what the good pro teams do. They find the best players and they get the ball to the best players over and over and over again. And all those other guys, oh, by the way, you better get it uh, within your role, but we're going to feed um, the best players. All right, we're going to get a couple more questions in here before we wrap up the Huddle Up podcast today. And this is from at Waco Garina. From the most mocked players at number 25, guys like Barmore, Maring, uh, Tevin Jenkins, Rondell Moore, which one do you guys give more value? Mm. He only put four guys. We could put, you know, 10 no, no, different I like guys that. there. Um, I like Mooring because I believe safety is essential to being able to play uh, good defense. And, I mean, it's been a while since the Jags have had an elite safety in the middle of the field. I mean, I can't, I can't remember. I know there've been guys that have been brought through there. Jonathan Cyprian, um, I know Tayshawn Gibson and those guys play well, play, play the, but you have to have someone in the middle of the field that can play. Mooring would be terrific. Uh, Once again, because we anticipate the Jacks playing a lot of quarters, cover split safety. That's what he did at TCU. He's active. He can play man to man. He can do things in the middle of the field. He'll be a great fit. If he's there at 25, I think it's a no-brainer. I do understand wanting Barmore. I'm a little iffy on Barmore because he kind of, you know, he kind of likes to spick it. He turns it on, turns it off. I don't know. I just want to know which one is going to show up, you know. It was late last season when it ended on, John. Like there's an element, and this is just purely mock draft guy looking at him. It almost feels like there's an element of him being pushed up the board a little bit. Because everybody says, well, the Jaguars need defensive tackle. We're going to put him at 25. Uh, and, and again, mm-hmm. that's just from reading mocks over the years. I don't know enough about Barmore mm-hmm. to say if he's be top 25 or not. But it sounds to me like one significant option would be draft safety at 25, harder to find, probably more corners, wait till 33 to get a corner. Mm-hmm. And I hate talking like that because I'm, I'm always the guy who says, don't. Don't do that before the draft. Make sure they're good players where you're picking them. But that could be a scenario where it's uh, safety at 25 because you don't get that many shots mm-hmm. at those guys. And then more corners at, at, uh, at number 33. I want to mm-hmm. know where you're finding a defensive tackle because you got to stop the run to make any of these guys matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to stop the run. The problem is, John, in this draft, it's not a good defensive tackle draft. Well, yeah. not 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 in the first round where you can absolutely say that the guy that we're taking at 25 is going to come in and be a difference maker. Um, if you're thinking in the second round, third round, maybe you, you're talking about the likes of kid from NC State, McNeil, 
think it's Eric McNeil, Aline McNeil, yeah, who's a big start, run stuffer. Yeah, and, rotation, right? Yeah, and then right. and then you have you know like Marvin Wilson in the second and third round. To be honest, the Jags don't need a a newbie at defensive tackle. They need someone who is tried and true and proven. I would anticipate the free agent market bearing somebody that they come. They need to overpay to get a proven defensive tackle that can come in inside and make a difference. Might need to do it twice though, right? I mean, double up. up there, you got it. Like that, double up, right? spend it. You got the money, spend yeah. the money. Yeah, John, you got all that money, spend it. Come on, spend some John. of that money. <laughs> John's making it rain. Yeah, making it rain. Yeah, spend some of that money so we can get some of these players. So no. we stop. Yeah, we got to stop people. We can't look because man, that run defense can't be what it's been in the past. All right, let's get our final question in today. And again, thanks for all the submissions on Tuesday on social media. We appreciate it. This is from at Danton Thomas. What percentage of players do you think will be new to the Jaguars in 2021? And what position group will be surprised with the number of changes? Well, this is Ooh. this is pretty deep. I think there's on the final 53, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say there are 30 new players next year. That's about right. Because I was 11 draft that. picks, mm-hmm. bunch of free agents coming in, undrafted guys. They want their guys in there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have some starters back, certainly on offense and the O-line. And some skill players. But other than that, like deeper down the roster, I think it's 30. That's my number. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, that's that's about where I was. I was at about 50%. I think I think your number is right because, I mean, let's be honest, like how many are we going to retain from the team and the way the team played? You have to flip it. You have to flip it particularly because you're changing scheme. I like that. I think the biggest position group to change, we're talking about it, the defensive tackle class. Like the, the, the D-line, the interior tackles, and especially – because the D line is the D coordinator's baby. Yes. Oh, all those guys, all those guys, with the exception of the number ones. Well, there might be a number one included in that also. But yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe he might be. Yeah, but that 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 defensive line, we'll see a new defensive line next season for sure. Because yeah, it starts right there. You you have to you have to get the trenches right. That's right. I think. Well, and again, if we're assuming that it's a three four, which you know. Nobody's saying yet, but let's assume it's a 3-4. Hamilton, I think Taven at the big end, I don't think you'll see him released. You know, I think – Unless he just comes out in camp and is not not even close, right? That that would be the only thing. Yeah, they but. liked him. At, at the end of the season last year, he played better at big end than he had played at tackle. So don't necessarily count him out of being a part of that. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy. But I agree with you on as far as numbers – 30, uh, I almost think that's the minimum of new you're going to see. It, mm. Because most teams have 16 or 17 new just right out of the box. And because most of your rookies make it, you get a couple of uh, undrafted guys make it. Most teams go 9 or 10 just rookies. And then all of a sudden you're talking about 4 or 5 new guys. So at least 25, 30, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot. It's what happens. It's what it has, has to be, Bucky. I mean, you want a 15, you have to flip it. You can't go, you can't run it back with the same. Let's run it back with one of 15. No, we have to, we have to get everything about it and changing schemes, new coach, new culture, general manager is all different. I just can't imagine a lot of the, the, the same personnel coming back. I think they move on from, they try and do it their own way. 
All right, guys, we have arrived at the end of the Huddle Up podcast. And coming up this week, we're a week away from the franchise tag window closing. Will Cam Robinson be mm. tagged? Maybe we'll find out by the time we are on this air for this, not air, but on this podcast uh, next week. Two weeks now until the start of the 2021 league year and the opening of free agency. Johnny O, what do you have on Jaguars.com the rest of the week? Uh, Good question. I, uh, podcast coming up with uh, Peter Schrager at some point, another colleague of Bucky's. From oh, look at you. Uh, I go back with Peter a long way. It's good to have him on. And uh, probably uh, more of our position-by-position position breakdown, which, by the way, Bucky good. and I both worked on basically breaking down Jags position-by-position, position, went all 10 positions, uh, getting a lot of good feedback on it. We're through the wide receivers right now. Uh, have some offensive line and tight end coming up for you. So uh, hmm. I would look for that. That's been a good read. Uh, and because it involves Bucky Brooks, some insightful stuff. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Bucky, what do you have coming up on uh, NFL.com and on the network? Oh, so Thursday, you guys will like this on uh, the Move the Sticks podcast. We are taking the Jaguars to the body shop. We are rebuilding the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're giving them a shiny new engine. Got some upgrades and some add-ons. We are making the Jaguars new and improved. On I'm going to hold on to my wallet because it's going <laughs> to cost a lot of money once that bill comes due. <laughs> new and improved. Restoration project. We can get it going. We have a brand new automobile once it's <laughs> over with. Uh, we'll look forward to that. That'll be. That's always a fantastic podcast. Johnny O, have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Bucky Brooks, NFL media analyst. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Remember, give us a subscription on the official Jaguars podcast network, Apple, iTunes, Spotify. What's the other one, Stitcher? Stitcher, yeah. Stitcher, Stitcher, some other ones. Yeah. All those, wherever you get your podcast. Give us the, the five. So what was that, John? Public Library. Yeah, the Jacksonville Public Library <laughs> yeah. apparently has podcasts. Yeah, too. We're transcribing and, and put it away. John's still looking for them there. Give us five stars and a comment, and we will catch you next week on the Huddle Up Podcast.